Welcome back to the Backdrop Untold Stories in Golf. Professor, how are we doing? Rainy Friday, um, so we're not golfing, I know that much. But I got to ask you, Matt, what do you know about persuasion? You're, you've been in what sales you? most of your life. What do you know about persuasion? Come on, man. You're talking to a, a president's club member. I was, uh, I've built, built my life around sales and persuasion. No, I, I think I, I've read a couple books on psychology of persuasion. Tell me, what, what are you learning this week about persuasion? So I think one of the cool, I, I love the psychology of it. I'm a terrible, I could never be in sales. And you know that. Um, I mean, you've known me long enough. I don't think I could ever sell anything. Even if it was something some, someone desired, I'd make them not want it. Uh, but one of, the, one of the cool things I've learned about, and this is actually in the context of, of leadership and what good leaders do in terms of staying in touch with the people they're, they're leaders of, is avoiding the abstract. So I'm not going to bore you with a story, but I could tell you a story, you know, about 10,000 10, people dying in a civil war, right, between two, um, within a country. Or I could tell you one personal story of near death, like driving down the street, girls coming out on a bike, and whatever. On average, if you could do this across the population, most people would be more touched by that one story of near death and not the story of 10,000 deaths. Now, obviously, analytically, well, the 10,000 deaths should impact us more, but it, do it doesn't. Um, this is important for several reasons. This is why a lot of stories around discrimination, um, death, don't resonate with people. Because they're told in the abstract, they're told in this big picture, you know, these sort of generalized stories where if you tell like one story of discrimination or death around a personal story, it'll actually impact people more. And now rewinding back to leadership, why that's important is as companies grow bigger, leadership often falls apart because everything becomes an abstract. You become a leader of 10,000 people rather than in a startup when you're at Groupon, what you have under, you did Groupon Travels. How many people do you have under you there? Oh, it started with a ragtag group of four and myself. Yeah, so everything was personal, right? But imagine as Groupon yeah. grew, grew properly and you get those layers of leadership, well, all of a sudden, the people you're leading become very abstract. So you lose that personal attachment to it. Um, and then that relates to persuasion that, you know, you really need those personal stories to actually bring people in and, and connect with them. Um, so anyways, yeah. That's, that's uh, that's why you always hear politicians. They kind of go to those anecdotal stories about individuals versus the data, the big numbers. Yeah, yeah, and they can that can be used in a in a good faith way, certainly, right? You still need to tell those personal stories, but also use it in a bad faith way, where you use one story and make it as if it's this generalizable thing that's this huge societal problem and whatever. I think uh, a lot of times the you could either side, but you know, often the the wokeness, um, the fight against woke, so-called wokeness, is often used in that way, where they tell one story of some outlandish thing, as if it's this this ill of society. Well, you know, you're you're kind of educating my uh, my ad reads for our sponsor and partner of the this here podcast, Golf Blueprint. Um, because if we aren't getting people over there with my other stuff, maybe I'm going too high level. Let me make it personal. Last year was an atrocious putting year for Matt Considine. Okay, the year before, pretty good. That last year, I kind of lost a little luster. But I'm back to my putting-specific golf blueprint routines. I'm trying to get in at least 15 minutes. I'd say a day, that's not true. But I'm trying to get in, now that we're getting closer to the season, I'm trying to get 15 minutes, probably every other day, of just focused on some drills. One in particular, I'll give you, I'll give you uh, one that kind of um, highlighted some things that may be going on. The keep your head down is kind of a silly thing in the golf swing. But when it comes to putting, I get a little excited about the outcomes. Mm -hmm. And I start to look down, you know, the line a little too often. And so 
I'm going to butcher the, the name of this card, but the card in Golf Blueprint is the quarter. You put your ball on, is it George Washington? Is that what it's called? I think, yeah, I think that's what I should know my own card names. Yeah, nah. you because you, you put your ball on on mm-hmm. um, the, the quarter and then you look at the quarter. You can't see the quarter from the top of the ball, but the point is you're going to roll it and then fix your eyes, you know, through the ball almost. Like it, it, the club, for me, it's like the club just kind of gets in the way of the ball and I'm, I'm focused on, you know, uh, removing the sight so I can see the quarter. So anyways, golf blueprint that's getting me there, I think. I, I have a sense that my putting stats are going to be all world in 2023. That's my sense right now here in, in March. Well, if you're going to be my teammate, I'm holding you to that. <laughs> we have uh you know what would help my fighting too is carl jackson he's coming on today uh very very excited to talk to this gentleman um you know nobody has more experience around augusta national than carl jackson what are you excited to ask him about i mean i want i i can't wait to hear his stories like the number of years he walked those grounds number of caddy or players that he caddied for um Hopefully he'll go into some of the stories. We all know Augusta National likes to keep things on the down low and, and hush hush, um, but certainly he has more stories than most from there. And, and and I'm looking forward to if he'll open up about a few of those. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to get inside the ropes, you know, and ask some questions about all those times at the Masters and just the uh, the place that is Augusta National. So let's let's get to it. Yeah, Carl. let's go. Mr. Carl Jackson, welcome to the Bag Drop Podcast. Good morning, man. Thank you. It is truly, I speak for Kevin and I, both the professor and myself, when I say it is truly an honor to be with you this morning. We are so excited uh, to, to talk to somebody that has had uh, the life experiences you have and the journey that, that you've been on. So thank, thank you for being with us. Uh, you're welcome. I, I, um, I bragged, I bragged to my manager, Marilyn, about you all, and then she bragged about you all. <laughs> oh, hey, we'd like to hear that. Yeah, she's a she's a Chicagoan like I was for many years. So, <laughs> Well, uh, many, many of our listeners will know who Carl Jackson is, um, but those that may not, you know, you're the, the longest standing caddy at Augusta National, 54 times caddying in the Masters. Uh, there is a documentary coming out about your life and your journey. Uh, called Rise Above that I'm very much looking forward to, done by the same production crew as one of my favorites, Tommy's Honor. So uh-huh. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And then, um, you know, you're the founder of Carl's Kids, a foundation that uh, is faith-based and helping bridge the gap for, for kids from all walks of life to the beautiful game of golf. So we're just uh, thrilled to dive into so many things today, but I'm going to start us with what I would think is is a simple question, maybe not. Not you. You might not think with, with all your knowledge, but you are widely regarded, sir, as the best green reader in the history of Augusta National. Uh, Jordan Spieth famously said on his first ma- Masters victory to Michael Greller in the press room, he said, "We go off Carl's reads." Yes. I love that. I love that quote. And last year, you helped support Scotty Scheffler on his first major uh, triumph. So. I want to ask you, sir, what is the putt at Augusta National more than any other putt that is consistently misread by players and caddies? <laughs> well, again, that's that uh, uh, consistently as I watch watch the Masters these days, these these last few years, uh, that could happen on 
on the seventh green, the seventeenth green, the twelfth green. I mean, then in the twelfth green in particular is uh, uh, as you put in, put in the wide section of the green from north to south or vice versa. It's uh, the speed is just learning the speed, feeling the speed is is sort of um, uh, it's it's a myth because it's a myth to to the guys or the players there, but not to me because it pretty pertains to us to one of uh, a few swim holes that was right around the golf course there, but. Uh, but um, I mean, obviously the players, they're smart enough to test the speeds and by the time the tournament is there, they, 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 figure, they figure it out. You know, it just works vice versa than what, it, what you think. Interesting, interesting. The, um, a lot of walks around Augusta National. Can you tell us how you got your start as a caddy there? Well, um, yes, I mean, I was, First, in 1958 to 1961, I would go to the Augusta Country Club, which is, of course, next door to it, and, and caddy there in, in the afternoons. And during the week, I could go over there and after school and make it make $1, 2 $3 in the afternoon, which was, which, which was really needed. And then, then in school is out on Saturday and Sundays. You could go down, I could go down maybe catch 18 holes. But then one day, a slow day, I left the golf course because nothing was happening at the Augusta Country Club. And um, just walking back home in the caddy master at the Augusta National was looking for caddies. And he drove up behind me and stopped and asked me that I wanted to, you know, caddy that day. And I was in the car and, you know, we went to the Augusta National and, and I, I immediately was on the golf course and made $6 for 18 holes. And man, that was, uh, that was double what I would make for 18 holes at the Augusta Country Club. And then I, I was hooked. <laughs> um, I, I was, I mean, eventually, um, uh, just just because of my family situation, um, I reluctantly dropped out of school to to become a full time caddy there, which became a problem because I was so young. It became a problem to Clifford Roberts and the members there because, you know, they they had to <clears throat> send me home. You know, I, I couldn't be there on school days. And and uh, <clears throat> at that time, um, by that time, I had already met Jack Stevens. Um, and, and then when he got wind of it, he said, I'll see that call get his GED, but let him stay here. And and it worked out. So was one of the reasons they sent you home is because they 
believed you should be in school. Was that their intention? There? Yeah. Was, yeah. 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 I should have been in school and, and, um, it was, it was a problem for them. Um, but the caddy manager, the caddy master knew my, knew my family and between he and Jack Stevens, they, you know, they got it worked out while I was there full time. You have such a long history at Augusta National. I'm sure there's plenty of things we could go to. But let's start at the one of the, I think, for the broader God, uh, golf audience, the 1995 Masters is probably the one that stands out. I know I was 12, 13 years old at the time. It's one of the first memories of the Masters for me. Um, people remember Ben Crenshaw on the 18th green, sobbing with you right there with him, you know, celebrating, celebrating that win. Uh, uh-huh. I want to hear... What was that week like for you? What stands out? You know, what are the memories from that week? You know, what are the the important aspects of that week that stand out to you? Well, actually, the 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 beginning the, the weekend before when um, uh, Mr. Pinnock died. Um, uh, before then, uh, that that year, Ben golf golf swing was in shambles, and and then on top of that, um, with the news from about um, Harvey Pinnock, then it, um, it it was just worse. But uh, being uh, being um, after we talked about it, and and Ben was trying to get in a practice round before he had to return back to Austin for the funeral on a Wednesday. And so we went out intending to play 18 holes. And by the time we was on the ninth hole, Ben, I mean, his golf game was, I mean, he was playing like a, he was hitting it like a 12 handicapper or something. And this happened, I took a shortcut on the, after the, on the ninth hole, where I could look back in the hole back there where the tee was, um, uh, uh, between the eighth number one and eight number eight greens, and I could see Ben uh, position over the ball, which is mad. I was, <clears throat> and he was, and I said out loud, I know because I was among the gallery then. And I said, "Done, Ben. You look like you're playing hockey back there." <laughs> and uh, obviously, he was. Uh, then I realized that he was reaching, you know, he was out of position. And by the time he got down to the, down the fairway to his drive, I suggested, I said, Ben, I, I think I, I realized something. And I, um, and uh, I don't think, I think that we don't, we shouldn't go to back nine, but let's go to the practice team. Well, <clears throat> Uh, that goes back to Ben and his dad, Mr. Crenshaw. <laughs> Matt, that goes back to that's know. right. I asked I asked Carl about Mr. Crenshaw. He said that's Ben's dad. Let me tell you who Mr. <laughs> Crenshaw is. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, his dad will always come to the Masters, and when he show up, he say, "This is what this is what going on with his game." You you talk to him. He'll listen to you, and but it, and that that was it was it was a funny stories funny stories about um, Ben's dad. But anyway, I suggested that we go to the practice 
tea and he, he agreed and got to the and the, the hindsight after you got, got to the practice tee I just I just suggested uh, he, he was reaching for the ball um, he straightened up he, you know he stood up a little taller I suggested that you know you put more emphasis on your shoulder time and and then then in hindsight he said after three balls he knew he had found something so we had balls for 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 the rest of the afternoon, and and uh, then he had to prepare to go to go back to Austin, and and uh, even at after the funeral, after the Mr. Penix funeral, his his family, his brother and his dad asked him about Augusta, and he said, Carl gave me a Carl gave me a, a uh, told me something, and and uh, Ben and uh, Ben was really excited and ready to get back to Augusta about his golf game, even in those sad, sad times. So, sure enough, um, uh, he was he was in good mode, and the tournament just, I mean, he played. I mean, he played just a uh, played within himself. For seventy seventy one holes, it was just one hole he got out, which was on the the last round that he that he sort of got out with without himself and tried to do something too much with the ball and and which was, which hole was that? That was number two. <laughs> it was number two, and um, the second hole that we teed off and that uh, we. Teed off with the last group, and um, and he number two, he was going to try to hit it, hit a hot draw down, you know, to get the ball running down the hill, you know, to hit, get to the par five and two. And he snap hooked it. He, I mean, he 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 just got too quick and snap hooked it, and it and and it. The, the area was going. I, I I went day blind. I said, "Oh Lord, we're gonna lose. We're gonna lose. The, we're gonna lose it all right here." You know. <laughs> and, and and then uh, I didn't see the. I, I I never saw the ball. But we walked out to tea, and Ben was kind of calm, and I'm I'm looking. And sure enough, the ball done kicked back in the fairway a little bit, and, and we hit a three wood down there with. To get in the nine out, we had a nine out of wedge for our third shot and birdied the hole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it went from a seven in my mind to a, to a four. And so we was off to the run. He was back in position and and um, and it, it was time, it was a time here or there. I would just say something to remind him, you know, stay within yourself. You know, and, he, he played. He played a beautiful round of round of golf that day. I mean, and the the, the next test came after we had sort of got we finished the front nine kind of strong, and and then then um, uh, now we playing the eleventh hole, and as we playing the eleventh the eleventh hole. Davis Love and Greg Norman were each were 
there were several holes in front of us, and they were tanning. You know, they they both was was uh, having good rounds. And number eleven is I never went back to the eleven T. No need carrying that bag back there. Then got to come all the way back up the hill. So I, I be, Ben always he allowed me to take those shot shortcuts, and I was down the fairway and. <clears throat> And he, he got he had a good drive, and but as you come out of that hole, you I mean you could um, it was just noise from Davis Love uh, burning fifteen and Norman burning seventeen or something like that, and I mean it was exciting, you know the crowd was excited, and that's when I did an eye check on Ben, you know I I, I looked him. I looked at it, you know, and he, I saw what I wanted to see because when he's, when he's, uh, when he's in that, in that rhythm like that, he, he was not afraid of anything. And um, sure enough, we, you know, he, we played through Amen Corner really good and made a final birdie at the 15th hole. And, Two shot lead, and he brought he you know he, he brought it to the house with uh, with uh, being able to make a bogey at, at eighteen total and still win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, t- tell us about that. <clears throat> tell us about that finish, Carl, because it was a one shot victory, and I know he needed bogey to win. But t- tell us about that eighteenth hole. Or when, uh, well, the 18th hole, a good drive on the 18th hole. Really, I mean, one of the best drives of the week. And we are now here, we're there. And the, and the, um, uh, uh, now we got an eight iron into the green. And, and as Ben was getting ready to hit the the gallery, what was close by, they start congratulating him. And Ben you know, broke his concentration, and and Ben said, "Wait a minute, we have, we have a little more. We have some more golf to play here." And he scraped the eight iron up there to the to the uh, right of the this shoulder of the trap and right of the pin off the green. And he had a, when we got there, um, the thing that came to my mind was Arnold Palmer bogeying the 18th of double whatever he did on, to lose the master that year. And, and Ben was, it was a high lip that Ben was going to have to get a wedge up over, which could be, and then we, I read the lie with, along with Ben. He had a t- tight line, you know. It's kind of possible to go ahead and put it, but then that would that would that could have been that could have been a disaster. But but then I made a suggestion that that the 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 lower the the, the hill the, the second level on the 18th green. I heard, I made a suggestion that. He just chipped something that way 
and let the let the heel bring the ball back toward the hole. And he jumped on that. It, you know, it, it was it, it was it was a squirrely squirrely lie. And, and then um, you know we got that done. Yeah. Then what? Oh, go ahead. Uh, then um, the thing about the next thing you know, um, uh, the the media was saying uh, things like angels in the outfield and all this. This this was you know I say wait a minute and I. Was, you know, I didn't want I didn't want to spoil being, you know, anything being said about Mr. Pinnock and anything, but I said, This is my body of work. I did this, you know, I did this is this is how I dedicated myself after being a decent uh, student in school and everything. I had to hold on to something and I decided, you know, the learning how to cat it, you know, the Augusta National. It's going to be my diploma. So I, I studied golf. I studied the pros when they was there. Um, I, I, I learned golf with Jack Stevens at the same time, who began there as a 29 handicap. And by the time, but by the time you know we finished, um, he was he was a fear 12 handicap in the club. And one had won, and won four jamborees, which is for the members there. That is to win the jamboree. You play, they play with a partner, and you know they paid a you know two man team championship. And Jack Stevens won four four jamborees, which has never, uh, which only been done one other time, and. And um, uh, uh, over a span of 17, 17, 18 years, he won four jamborees, and that was unheard of. But we mm-hmm. we learned golf together. He and I. Mm-hmm. It's some. It's a little story about you know the the local pros. They didn't like it, but the caddy was out there, you know, teaching teaching the teaching the members and the guests. And I've had a little confrontation there, but that's another story. <laughs> but um, uh, that was, to me, um, you know, someone like uh, Butch Herman or uh, one of the other instructors that worked that worked with the pros out there. They would have said they would have gotten, a, you know, a notice of. Hey, they, that person that person fixed this game, mm-hmm. but they can't fix this game this time. I'm sorry, you know. Um, uh, I'm <clears throat> not taking anything from Mr. Pennick, but I never met him. Never, never met him. And and when Ben said, you know, Carl Carl said some things that brought Harvey to his mind. That's how he said it, and. Well, sure. Well, I, I I had learned the basis of of at least being out of position. 
and 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 made, was able to make suggestions. And I understood golf. Golf was my diploma. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's clear, Carl, is like, yeah, your knowledge of golf is extremely high, including Augusta National, but then beyond that. Anybody that talks about you or just Matt and I in our brief brief conversations with you. So I want to rewind with that in mind to, you know, 12 years prior than 1995. That was 1983 when Augusta National made the decision to move away from requiring local caddies with the pros. Um, I know from reading about it, it seemed like a contentious decision. I know Ben, Jack Nicholas, I think Stadler maybe, you know, kept with local caddies. But to you, you know, what did that decision mean both on with regards to Augusta National making that decision as well as Ben keeping you on the bag? Um, You know, what was that time like in in your mind? Well, uh, for, for maybe five years before, uh, I, I, even before Mr. Roberts passed away, the tour player, the two, uh, many of the tour players wanted to bring their their uh, tour caddies with them when the rule was in still in place that you had to use uh, Augusta National caddies. And then uh, in uh, what it was eighty two. But was the rainy day that came? Uh, yes, it was eighty-two, and the rainy day that came, and and uh, that was a thir- Thursday, wasn't it? The rainy that day. That was a Saturday. No, or, it was a Saturday. It Saturday. Was a, it was a Saturday, and they had a restart. But the night before, at the, at the end of the day. Uh, uh, after the tournament was uh, put on hold for the for morning start, all the caddies came off the course, and and they had a, everybody was soaking wet. I mean, really, everybody was soaking wet, and and everybody now when the caddies bringing the bags in, they all went into the bag room, which was the caddy master's office there, and and the member's bag racks was there, and was not a whole lot of room to do anything, but, you know, things was not set up properly for that rainy evening, and everybody just put their bags, you know, bags were stacked against the, uh, the bags were stacked against bags, laying on each other, and and, and the cats was whooshed out of the bag room and to the cat house and, and to go home. And without any instructions, they didn't have any instru- instructions about the next round, uh, the morning start, and and the and the guys, the local guys, they just figured, they just assumed that maybe it's going to be a ten o'clock or start or something, and there was no hurry to get to the back to the course the next morning. And I was um, I was uh, excited about Ben's position, and and I couldn't wait to get to the course, so I showed up early. But the night before. I took Ben's bag to a little back room back there, and uh, which I was—I uh, had privilege, 
privy to do because I used to work for those guys in the pro shop. And that 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 little room back there, I went back and tried Ben's clubs and then stood him up on a on a, on a by a counter and turned his bag. You know, I just dried his clubs out, and sure enough, it was an early start. I mean, and and we we I mean, Ben and I was low. You know, we getting in the car. And pros are, I mean, you see, you can see the body language and none of the guys is showing up, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there and, and, and now that, I mean, the cars are going out on the course and I'm wondering what they're going to do. But all they get, all their bags were wet. I mean, they just hadn't dried out any. Wow. And, and, and that was the camera that broke, you know. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, it was just the you know they just had to allow the the, the pros to bring the caddies in. Well, uh, Ben Bussey and I think one of the other uh, cat was Craig Stallard won the tournament that year, and, and then Ben Ben Bussey won our locus. And I think one of the two caddies might have had amateur bags. And '83 Masters, and and um, everybody else were um, was terminated, fired, and and Ben said, <laughs> Ben said, college not going anywhere, you know. He said, you know, he he went against the system. I mean, mm -hmm. he, he was the one pro that you know said he went, you know. He wasn't gonna, he, you know, he was that. That was not gonna happen with him, you know. And we went on to then, you know, we went on to what we finished good in '83, and then go went on to win in '84. But um, I heard the, you know, that that hurt, you know, hurt the caddies. A lot of caddies. I mean. I mean, they. I could. I could name twenty-five out of the 40, 44 or fifty what made the cut in eighty-three that was fired. That that a a new caddy that had local knowledge uh, that could do could still help, but they still fired. They fired them anyway because. You know that's what you know that was the plan. Um, majority rule, but Ben went against the majority, so that broke that did it. You know, Carl, I um, you hear the saying, <clears throat> "Opposites attract," and and I think in a lot of relationships, there's two different personalities that seem to to mesh well. I don't know, Mr. Crenshaw, or I'm sorry, Ben. Uh, I don't. I don't know Mr. Crenshaw either, but I also don't know Ben. But I, I uh, admire him for so many reasons. And anytime he has something to say, just like anytime you have something to say, I, I pay attention. And uh, the two of you seem to have a, a similar presence, a similar um, way of expressing yourselves, a similar uh, maybe worldview. If I 
can assume, but mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you that. Do you think you guys are, are very similar in personalities? And what was it that, what was the secret sauce that made you guys such a good team? Well, well, mutual respect, um, uh, Ben, I mean, Ben, Ben, Ben is just, uh, I mean, he, 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 he just a, a straightforward, well-raised young man, and he, had, he and his brother, and, and uh, I, I, I was the type that I, my, my spirit is most times is quiet and and respect, you know, I, if you have, I have, you know, respect for the game. Uh, I worked, I, you know, I worked hard to do a good job, uh, whether I was catting for the members or to get, you know, and, uh, or whatever I wanted, you know, be, I wanted to be, to do a, do, do that job the best as possible. And I, I, I prepared and studied for all that. And sure enough, um, looking at Ben today, the the one man that that was that one the one man that that was my my guy was my granddad. And looking at Ben today, he and my granddad are about the same size. You know, you know they they about and uh, uh, my granddaddy. You know he. I mean, if he showed up right now, you know, he, he he the one raised me. He was, you know, he was my father figure in my family. But he spoke with a host voice, and he took me on a job one time to paint all his boys before me painted and everything. But he took me on a job and painted, you know, one day, and he, and he painted a house twice, and I'm his partner. And I done trimmed two windows. And he done went around the house twice to cook. And he came around that house and snatched me off that little boy. And he slapped me on the butt, scared me to death. He, he had never, he, that's a, he had spanked me one other time before that. But if, if he showed up now, I'd probably take out running if I done did something wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I want to, ask one more question about your, your master's tournament experience. I mean, we could stay there the entire time, Carl, but we got, we had some other questions for you too. Um, you have the most appearances in the master's tournament, 54, which is, I don't think ever going to be matched. Um, sure math. I, I was trying to figure out how someone would beat that. I don't think it's possible. Uh, 39, of course, with, uh, Ben Crenshaw, uh, but you had some other loops and, I was curious about 1970. You were on the bag for a, a very talented player, Gary Player. Um, can you tell us about that year? What that was like? Well, yeah, um, it was a, 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 a year that I was in. I was the I was working for the golf shop and caddying. I was my my main job was to. Uh, um, service the golf carts and, you know, get them ready, stay doing. And um, uh, Gary Player had 
I've had one of the best teddies at the Augusta National named Ernest Nipper and, and guys like my mentor, Pappy Stokes. I mean, uh, but, Garrett, but Nipper was Gary's player caddy. And that year, um, the NAACP had, had already prepared to be out on Washington Road picketing um, the Augusta National because Gary Player was playing there and uh, apartheid was really serious. You know, it was in the news all the time during, during that time uh, uh, back in South Africa. And, and uh, during the, as it built up to the tournament, uh, Gary Player and Nipper, his caddy, received death threats. And Nipper, you know, Nipper decided that he was not going to caddy. You know, probably scared him pretty bad, and he quit. And Gary Player was swearing by Nipper that he was, you know, you know, wanted to carry him on the tour with him. You know, that's how. But anyway, um, Nipper quit, and they were looking for a caddy that could. Caddy for Gary Player. So um, by that time, uh, um, um, I was—I mean, I was caddying all the time. I was caddying a regular again with Jack Stevens. Uh, I mean, I was doing a lot of caddying, and I had learned the course pretty well myself. So um, the. One of the golf pros came out on the course. I was out doing some work on the course, doing checking some things on the course. As and he found me and told me, said, um, told me what was going on with Gary Player and everything. And they asked me, he asked me, would I take the bag? And I said yes. And and he he. Dave Spencer is his name. He explained to me, you know, what might happen. And I said, you know, I'll take the chance because Gary Player is a world-class player. And uh, uh, the best, probably the best, one of the best players I was going to, at that point, that I could get my hands on. So I said, sure, the NAACP and Come Monday morning, they're not going to pay my bills, so I took a chance. So, um, uh, sure enough, um, Gary Player shows up, at, and and uh, I got his bag, and I'm out on the first tee, just waiting. We hadn't met yet, I, and uh, he came out. He and and another another two pro, and they was going. They were going to play, and and uh, sure enough, uh, he came, and we did did you know we did his introduction, and all. Now we're on the second hole, and he's and there's some bad body language going on. You know, things was not feeling good. Uh, just something was wrong here, and. <laughs> And we playing the second hole, and he said, um, "Carl." No, he said, "He said, Caddy, what, you, what again? What your name is?" He said, "I said, you know, I told him my name." 
say, well, Carl, I'm going to make your job really easy this, this week. I say, okay, how is that? He said, well, I, all I want you to do is keep my keep my gloves clean and keep, you know, keep my bag and gloves clean and, and, and keep up with me, keep up with me. And that's, you know, that's all they need to do. And I said, oh, well, okay. Um, I was offended, <laughs> you know, in my, to myself. Well, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. I was offended that something had happened in the Jamboree uh, two weeks before that, that we, we might go back to it, but, but, um, uh, I mean, we played. We played around the course, and and it was Derrick player and this other player, this other pro trying. They trying to figure out mainly the greens, and you know, it was like I was not there except for the bag coder, and um, and uh, <clears throat> that went on for two. You know, that went on for two rounds, and. And uh, bad. I mean, I mean. Finally, I I just had. It was just, just in me. I had had enough, and sure enough, now we playing the thirteenth hole. On this on Tuesday, we playing the thirteenth hole, and and the 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 player, the the other golfing player, they trying to decide a player a pro shot and. He was out there for enough where he's going for the green and and um they decided that um it was a forward. And I said, Well, I just said, Well, you hit that forward, I don't say that out loud enough and you hit that forward, you can't drop, you know, you're not gonna make it to that green. And then that that's playoff look, you know, the Looked at him, snatched his forward out the bag, and you so saw you see him set up and put it back. You know he's gonna make that forward go there, and he hit it, and it, he hit it really good, and it dropped in the creek. <laughs> so and and I was still that I didn't realize it might have broke a little monotonous of some of, but now we're on the fifteenth hole, and the same thing is happening again. They but divide they the the par five fifteenth and they debating whether you know a four word or a three word and now it's a three word I say you hit that three word you're gonna knock it over you know it's too much club and player player got his three word out and you're gonna do something with it and you know, hit it soft and you know. And hit a good shot again, and it just went over the green down by the pond, sixteen over sixteen toe. And nothing, you know. We finished the day, and next thing you know, we're getting ready for the tea time for for Thursday. And we get when he tea, he gets a great drive off the first hole, and we, you know, we get to the ball and. I got I got the bag and I got it stressed out. I'm sort of standing off the bag and got it stressed out, you know, as to say, these are your clubs. You can hit any one of them you want to hit. 
And he walked up a little bit and uh, a few yards up and looked and came back to the bag and said, Carl, what you like? <laughs> you know, and I was prepared. I, I had been paying attention. Uh, and it, it was days, that was the days of, of naked eye caddy. We, we, didn't, we didn't do, we didn't have mm-hmm. yardage books. Yeah. And I called the club and the club was good. And um, uh, we went on to, we, we went on to play golf, play the, play the four rounds. I had, I mean, things were so serious. I had to have my, I had my own secret service people for me. Mm-hmm. And they had they had some one or two for me. It must have been you know a lot more you know for player. But the secret service guy, this one particular secret service guy, would come in to check on me. You know, just to reassure me. I'm, nothing happened. I heard nothing from the gallery or anything. But you know, call we were I just want to let you know we were at, you know we right here. But you know that breaks that can break your concentration. Because they had major protesting that year, right? Right, Carl. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it was it was it was serious outside those gates. And then, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, we played we played uh, seventy two holes. Uh, um, uh, he he had he had played the first. 27 holes without he played 20, first 26 holes without asking me anything about the greens and he done he done did not get the ball up and down from the from the confines of the greens 13 times you know he done he done just not get it in, uh, you know misreading the putts and everything the 20 uh, the 27th hole he asked me, I was just in the ninth green that day, and he said, um, Carl, look at this putt. Come help me read this putt. I read the putt, and then when it, you know, he made the putt. And now, uh, you know, now I was on every putt from, you know, and every club. And I cannot remember remember since that first seven iron at at the first hole he hit every club i suggested for 71 holes and the 72nd hole um we are the last group and uh gene and billy Casper is playing with player and gene little is in the group ahead and they all three are tied for the lead, and Casper and players got got a uh, good drives on the 18th. I mean, equally distance out there and everything, and and um, we watched, you know, we watched Little two putt for a par. So now Casper and 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 players got you know you birdied the 18th, and you got a you know you got your victory. Well, Casper hit his ball on the green, maybe 20 feet away, 25 feet away, right of the pin, and 
and uh, playoffs. And by this time, my my name had changed from Carl to Laddie. <laughs> <laughs> Laddie, what you Laddie, what you like? And I called I called the five iron, and he you know he said Laddie. Uh, you know he split his friends. They say Laddie. I feel a little pumped up right now. I'm gonna hit the six. I said, hey, Yokel, you know, I just, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't argue with him anything. He, um, uh, he, he just pulled out the six and hit a, just a beautiful, beautiful six iron. Right at, I mean, if, he, if it's the right club, it's, you know, it's the front left pin. Mm-hmm. You got the backstop. You know, we. Yeah, it's game over. Game over, you know, we have, we're going to have a good birdie play. And that ball fell in that trap in front. That's Friday. And and then uh, um, he did, you know, he maybe a 15-footer for par and didn't make it. And now he's, other things happened that I didn't realize after that, but. Um, this is another story about I, why I didn't get it for him the next year. I I, I kind of wanted to ask that, uh, Carl, if if you're willing, is you know obviously you guys lose by a shot. I mean a successful loop all all the way around, but next year the year following he doesn't, uh, you know, re, you guys don't caddy you don't caddy for uh, for Gary in that next year is. Uh, can you share reasons for that, or what what may have occurred? <clears throat> yeah, well, um, I, I, you know, in my mind, um, I mean, my my something was said after he didn't part eighteenth hole, uh, at least part eighteenth hole, and Jack Stevens heard it. Now, I mean. I mean, Jack Stevens hired me when I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, I'm his candidate. We, he, you know, we, you know, we, we know what we're doing. He know what I could do out there. But then, as I went to his cabin after the after that Masters, um, he and Charlie Cole was one of, one of the leading amateurs uh, uh, in, in the in the country. Uh, for the for the United States, and he was a member there, and he was a friend with Jack Stevens. And I walks in there, and and and, and in his cabin, and they sitting there in the in the um, living room or what do you call it, and they talking. And I walk in, and he says, um, "Mr. Stevens says, Carl." Next year, I want, I want you to caddy for Charlie Cole. I said, Mr. You know, Charlie Cole's sitting there. I said, Mr. Stevens, uh, 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 Gary Player's a world-class player, and you know, I can, we could win the Masters next year. He said, Carl, just do this for me. He said, I, uh, I said, what? Well, he said, Carl, I was, I was, but he said, Carl, if Gary Player 
wins the Masters, I will pay you what his, you know, what is <clears throat> what he pays his cat. Hmm. And I said, well, that's two two paycheck two paycheck chance. <laughs> I took it. You know, I, yeah. Best of both worlds, right there. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, Gary Player didn't win. But um, Zach Stevens paid me anyway. Paid me well for that anyway. And so, but something now, if you ask my his son today, you know, uh, his, his son that's a, now it's my boss today. You know, I work mm-hmm. for him at the election club, and he was he would tell you he would answer that the reason differently and. I, I just, uh, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't inquire any, any deeper about uh, to this day. But mm-hmm. something happened that, but the same back room where I dried uh, Ben's clubs mm-hmm. when Gary Player made that, you know, when he did par eighteen, and I didn't call the club, you know, I didn't call the right club. I mean, I bag, I went in that bathroom. I, I was crying like a baby. Hmm. You know, you know, it was just, and I was just, it was just a release. I know I had a, I had carried so much that week. You know, it was a relief. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine how how emotional that must have been in in the light of what was going on in the world. Yes, with apartheid and, and the protests, and um, that takes some courage, Carl. Yeah, yeah. I think from the player side, there's a lesson to be learned there. Listen to your caddy on the 18th hole if they if they give you a club <laughs> suggestion. I think there's too many too many stories. I think it was I don't remember what year, maybe the 89 Walker Cup at Peachtree, the same sort of situation where the, the United States lost that match because the uh, player on the 17th hole did not listen to caddy. Same situation. Listen to him all week and then turns it down. But you know, it's obviously Carl. It's obvious, Carl. You know, you care a lot, a lot about your craft and the job that you do and the work involved. You're you're a studier of the game, and I think one of the awesome things about being a caddy. I caddy for a, a limited time, but for for a little bit. You know, you develop relationships with the club, the people involved. Yeah. Um, you know, much of your history was at Augusta National. What has your relationship with Augusta National looked like over the years, and how has it evolved um, to where it is at now? <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I'm uh, again. I'll, I'll, I'll answer it this way. Um, um, since since. Uh, the, the, the year of retirement of Ben and I, um, the Augusta National, with the Augusta National, I just, and the, and the, the new caddy system, I don't, you know, I don't know what's going on, but even, be, you know, as, being retired, you know, I'm. Um, it's like they don't. I, 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 I don't. I don't know how. I, I'm not. 
it I don't I'm not even able to get credentials to be there. Um, I, I would you know you I would think I, I I'm not trying to start a fight or anything. But, of course, but um, <clears throat> you know they are pretty strict on on their credentials for or their tickets. So. Mm-hmm. Um, the spectators make me feel welcome every, every year, but I, I don't understand. You know, I don't understand. I, I don't understand. So, but I go back and uh, Ben, Ben, and Ben and his wife they they provide me daily tickets uh, for for the practice rounds, and you know I go there for Ben. Uh, the, and I'm being for our relationship. I, I go there, and and it's a chance to be back home for a week. But, yeah. Well, I, I'll say as as spectators or patrons, I guess is what they prefer to be called. Uh, I want to iterate how much we see you as a fabric of the Masters, Carl. Um, you know, yeah. like I said, '95 is a, one of my earliest memories, and. and in in addition to Ben sobbing, you being right there is is what the, is is the image that sticks in my mind um, that I go to bed dreaming of in terms of every year we come into the Masters, right? I know I'm going to watch that scene unfold on on 72, and know at least he listened to you, even if Gary Player didn't listen to you, at least at least Ben listened to you. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm going, I'm um, uh, I'm I'm excited to go because uh, this time and which probably will be. The last time I would try to go there, but uh, I'm going to get to meet Ben's grandson. You know, Ben, Ben children, he had all daughters, so uh, his grandson is old enough to, I, I think they're going to dress him up in a little uniform. And, you know, like like Warren Stevens and myself, but the same with Ben and myself. We, we, we got, you know, we got, you know, we're like family. I got uh, one more question for you, Carl. I, the, the many stories that we could ask you about, but there's one. Um, I think it's 1988, where I'm, I'm assuming it was as a guest of Jack Stevens, is, is my uh, assumption. You can correct us, but um, you were, by my understanding, the, the first black guest to play Augusta National. And oh. Uh, and that was in 1988. I was just curious what that moment, that round was like, you know, at the club. What that was like for you? Well, <clears throat> well, it was, it was, you know, they closed down the club in, uh, in May, the, the latter part of May, each season. You know, they are open from sometime in October to the, to the next May. And they closed down, you know, they began to close down. And and this was the this was within the last two weeks before the club would close. And Jack Stevens was we was there and um, he was the only member on the on the grounds uh, that day, that night before in that day and and I came in that morning and and um, he was having some coffee, and he said, "Mr. Stevens said, Carl, um, 
called a pro shot and and tell tell the pros um we you and i we're gonna play today we want to play them and um we we're gonna go out there and, and, and stevens um, we're gonna go out there and beat their tails and um i you know now bells ring in my ears i'm gonna play and i didn't call i went over there i went over to the pro shop and uh, from Stevens cabin, and I went in and took the two head. They had double, double head pros, the two head pros, and I said, um, I I told them what Mr. Stevens said, and and, and Bob Cleck, he, he said, okay, we'll play y'all, but then the other pro, Davey Spencer, said, uh-uh, I'm not going out there, you know, no, no, you know. Uh, so Bob Clecky wound up taking another, another uh, one of the assistants, one of the assistant pros that worked for him. And um, sure enough, um, uh, we went, I went back to Mr. Stevens and we got ready and and uh, we didn't, you know, and it, it was it was a little, you know. Mr. Steven now, you know, he's a he was a character. I mean he I mean he didn't do he didn't do anything without a purpose. You know, he you know, he, he had a you know a plan. And anyway, we excited and we goes out and and um uh load the carts and we don't even go Mr. Stevenson, I don't know what the pros did in the the next hour before we could show up on the tee, but Mr. Stevens and myself, we didn't we didn't even hit practice balls. But anyway, now now it's, it's buzzing that call is you know through the through the club employees and all you know administration and all that. You you can almost hear them on the phones. You know, everybody looking for hard hard and the the, the, the chairman then and. Uh, uh, I said, Mr. Stevens, they calling. I said, Mr. Stevens, they calling Mr. Harden. Now they don't, you know. In the, in the, you know, you can feel the energy. And Mr. Stevens said, "Well, <laughs> F him." <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, now, now, now we, now it's now it's realization because we're going to the tee. I got much, I got my golf shoes on and everything, and the caddies don't come out of the caddy house, which was hundred hundred yards away or so. I mean, the club employees they don't come out the dining rooms, the, the you know the, the the administration office, everything standing out there, and, and now. <clears throat> The, the two pros and myself, uh, we're going to play the back tees, and Mr. Stevens going to play off his handicap from the front tee. And now they know Mr. Stevens' reputation. Of, uh, uh, you know, he's going to, with his handicap, he's going to shoot. He's going to shoot somewhere in the sixes net. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that type of player. <laughs> <laughs> 
and uh, 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 and then um, Mr. Stevens, you know, he said we need to get Cosm shots, and the pro said we ain't getting Cosm shots. And in, in a way, now it's on, and we all and the two pros, they 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 own the back tee, and they knock it over the trap, and. Then, uh, then I'm the last hit from back there, and then you can hear the guys, come on, Carl, come on. It's my buddies and kids. And, and sure enough, I hit it too, and and that ball landed over the trap out there, and man, it was, ah, you, can, you can hear the caddies. And, and um, um, they was all excited. And um, <clears throat> then um, the, the the pro that the, the assistant pro had said to me, Carl, I hear I heard you was long. We, you know, we was about on the third hole. I heard you was long, and I want to hit it good at the same time you hit it good. And you know, between us, we it didn't really happen. You know, we was hitting dirt. It didn't really happen until the fifteenth hole. And all the two pros, they all they hit it good. The, the par five, they hit it. They all they both hit it good, and I hit it good too. And they, we, no, we couldn't see over the hill out there. But they said this. They said it's on. We finna find out now. And we get when we get out there. The um, the 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 older Bob Clecky. Had a had a six iron into the fifteenth green. <clears throat> I mean, Bob Clicker had a five iron into fifteenth green. Mm-hmm. The other pro had a six iron into the fifteenth uh, green. I had a pitching wedge for fifteenth. So that was right. that, wow. speed, man. <laughs> that that was. Uh, that was and, and the guy now he you can find him, he'll tell you the story. His name Mike Shanton. <laughs> he said, Call that settles it right here. That is some length. I love uh oh my goodness, what a great story. Thank you, Carl, for sharing that. Um I love this golf world too. Bob Klecky, I've met. He's a sh- old time Chicago head professional. Oh yeah, yeah. Moton Gator. You know what a Moton Gator is. There you <laughs> go. Yes, yes. It's such a small golf world. Um <laughs> Well, Carl, I, I, we're at the hour, and uh, we want to be respectful of your time. Uh, I think we've highlighted your abilities as uh, a caddy, a golfer, uh, a humanitarian, and and I've been impressed with Carl's kids. That's actually how we got introduced, is one of my dear friends, uh, Catherine Adair Collins. She uh, is also a tremendous human being, just a dear friend of mine, right. and, and she's helping um, the Carl's Kids Foundation. And so I wanted to ask you a little bit about that, with the work you're doing, what why it means, what it means to you, and how you're impacting some lives. Well, but honestly, um, it, it goes back to my early days when I had to drop out of school uh, to help, you know, to help my mother and my siblings. Um, I, I I dropped out of school and and and. Um, <clears throat> That was embarrassing to me. Uh, I was embarrassed about that, and and uh, and 
through the years, oh, I would think about how, and I would realize how education, you know, I missed that. Even though I got a great, I got a great humanitarian education, mm-hmm. uh, traveling to the country with a billionaire, I can't tell you how what great, <laughs> great, uh, uh, you know, what what challenges that bring. But uh, and I, um, you know, I, I, I'm proud to say I never lived in a lived as long as I lived with my mother. It was no no welfare or anything. I I never lived I never lived that, but somehow things worked out. God blessed me where He put me in the place. Put right, put good people in my path. Mm-hmm. Well, I know, and I knew I was going to give my life to any kids I have. To you know, they they got to have education. I I would die, you know. And in hindsight, that worked out well with my four kids. And um, but I know that it was kids. At these days, uh, at the, in, in days since I was a kid, there's a lot of kids in, in different difficult situations, and and um, um, that's how cause the Carl Jackson Foundation came together slash cause kids, and and that's and it's set up to <clears throat> it's set there to help kids to to um, that that goes off to college and we will help them if, if they really need help um just while they're in high school um but to help them with books and 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 what was was important um um we were helping with books and and a little Little stipends, um, you know, we're not we're a small foundation. We don't we don't have a lot of support because, and for some reason, I think it's because we are a ministry. But we are a ministry, and the one thing that I'm adamant about is uh, we don't want we don't want to accept uh, government money. It's because our kids need so much these days and in teaching them goodness, you know, how to be respectful, you know, all the things that, I mean, of some of the things I know, and no comparison, I, can, I can compare the rules of God with the Word of God. But the rules of golf demands that you be honest. That, you know that you live by those rules. But the word of God, God demands that you be honest. Mm-hmm. You, you know you live, you be honest and live a good life. So all those things and our, our kids, um, the millennials or whatever, include my kids. You know, you you hear you hear and see a lot of disrespect that we didn't see when we was growing up. 
and and uh, we are, we are in no way uh, are uh, intended to interfere with what kids and their parents believe. But but uh, if they you know if you come to our foundation, we're gonna you know we're gonna show you things like like in the book uh, in the Bible, the book of Ephesians or Galatians. It teaches you, you know. It teaches you the fruit of the fruit of the spirits of righteousness, and the fruit of the spirits of unrighteousness. Well, we gotta, you know, we we gotta help our kids. We gotta save our kids, and whatever little bit we can do as cause kids, we hope that other foundations. Well, we don't mind if other foundations uh, use some of our ideas, but. And I think they do, but but sure we got we got um, um I have uh, uh, um, we have a chapter in Newberry, South South Carolina now, and we have a chapter in the main chapters in the Raleigh Durham area in North Carolina, hmm. and um, we are we are in. We are, we are expecting an invitation to even go to a place in California here this coming summer, maybe. It might, it might, it might, it may or may not work out, but but we, you know, we are set up to just help help the kids. We we have to, in my opinion, when you. When you go, you know, golf is doing what they do and they growing the game. But in my opinion, you got to go, you also got to go south of the railroad tracks because there are kids over there and they're just not black kids. And, and, and we, we, have, we, we, we accept all kids and we just got to teach, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, it might sound simple, but kids, you know, and I was a boy and I, I got in trouble and everything, just being, being kids, you know, and, and I, I got in trouble, but, you know, we got, you know, the simplest thing is pointing out, reminding kids these days, hey, anything you do um, unrighteously, it's probably a camera on you somewhere. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we got you know, boys will be boys. I can't speak for the girls, but probably girls gonna be girls. But you know, I probably don't help myself to a candy bar somewhere around there, and you know that could ruin you. Yeah. These days, I mean, we got to think of the goodness of our kids, mm-hmm. and not be afraid, of, but. But I mentioned, you know, we don't accept government. We don't want government money because if you do accept it, then they're going to tell you what they want you to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're going to, you know, we're going to we're going to teach the kids. You know, we're going to. I don't know. I have many great sayings, you know, just you know uh, uh, about life lessons that that we would post uh, on a bulletin board or something. To you know, for kids to just read, somebody's got to tell them. And I'm sure, you know, you how many how many adults you can say that 
if it weren't for my grandmama or my granddaddy or my mother or my dad. Yeah. That's uh, a, a perfect place to leave us today, Carl, with so much of um, the way you've lived your life. Uh, I, I like that no, nobody's perfect, as you said, and we all, you know, are, we all are still kids. I still feel like I'm a kid most days. And I'm still making silly mistakes, but yeah. it doesn't mean that we shouldn't all try to act in that goodness, which you talked about. And uh, the number of stories you shared with us today, it, it was a whole lot of goodness, Carl. And just wanted to say, uh, again, what an honor it's been to be with you today and chat with you leading up to this time of year when a lot of folks will be staring at that beautiful green grass of Augusta. Uh, I, I, this has been just such a treat, and I'm sure people listening would agree. Um, we'd like to have you back on, sir, because I know uh, there's, there's more times coming up. The documentary that will be coming out, maybe after that uh, releases, we could, we could have you back on our show. Yeah, uh, I, I, hope and, I hope and pray that that's, that, that, that happens. We'll make that I happen think, for yeah. sure. And my pleasure to meet, meet you, Kevin and Matt. Yes. My pleasure. Cheers, Carl. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. Professor, that was that was cool. I probably pinched myself about 17 times during that. Um, as I mentioned during the recording, the recording itself, uh, 95 Masters is a special master. So to see Carl face to face and get to talk with him was was awesome. But I got to ask you a question. Um, rewinding back to I think how you started our interview with Carl. If he's on your bag at Augusta National, are you are you even reading the putts, or are you oh. just tell me pick a show me a spot, Carl, and go? What what are you? How are you approaching that? <laughs> There's no chance. I am letting him call every single club, every single putt. And I, I've had, I think here's the tough part is a lot of us will get caddies and not understand their caliber of caddy. Like how good are they? Are they, you know, are they great green readers? Are they, you know, average like most people? But I think there's no doubting that Carl is the best. And when you, I mean, if, if it's me playing tomorrow and I go into it with the knowledge I have now, oh, there's, I'm not looking at a thing is Carl, you tell me where this ball needs to go. Maybe I'll share with them how I see it. You know, like, am, is it a, am I a line putter? Do I like an apex? Do I, you know, visualize the, the, um, the shot or am I going aim point? <laughs> By the way, I do all of them, unfortunately. <laughs> I haven't figured out which one's best. But I think, I think after that, it's show me where to go. Yeah, I, I feel like if I tried to read anything in front of him, he'd just be like, no, you're an idiot. Like, this is what you need <laughs> yeah. to do now. <laughs> yeah. But what, um, I mean, it's, there's so much to, to digest in that, but what was your biggest takeaway? You know, we hold a lot of clubs in high esteem, uh, and rightfully so. In Augusta National, I mean, obviously we can get into underlying issues, but we hold it into high esteem in the, master, in the Masters to definitely at the the pinnacle of tournament golf um for me it's right up there with the open i prefer the open overall in terms of its playability and the golf that's actually played but definitely in terms of tradition the masters is the masters at the same time i think we have to acknowledge that it's the people that make that happen right like things become the clubs become clubs um and renowned clubs or renowned tournaments because of the people that made them that way uh, and, and Carl's the conversation with Carl drove that home with me that without people like Carl Jackson, the Masters isn't the Masters. The 95 Masters Ben's win 
probably doesn't even happen, right? And, and having him, it's so easy to focus on Ben Crenshaw sobbing at the end there, but Carl was right there. He was in Carl's arms, right? Like Carl gave him that swing tip, made all that happen, made who knows how many stories we know from the Masters that happened because of Carl Jackson. So even though it's the clubs that stay on forever, you know, 100 years from now, 200 years from now, Shinnecock, you know, National Golf Links, all of them, like we remember the clubs. Ultimately, it's the people that make them and getting to listen to Carl's stories and and his impact, uh, not only on the Augusta National, but the golf world through his foundation and and other um, stories was was special. Yeah, Yeah, my my reflection is um, around, you know, challenges of of racial problems in our country, honestly. And... um, I wrote down just some words throughout, and, and a lot of them, I'm just read off a sampling here. Humility, courage, unconditional goodness, sacrifice. Like Carl Jackson, and I hope he hears this, he, he's made an impact and a big change. Think about Augusta National. I mean, there's no doubting that there's a past history of, of racism and, and some serious problems. Have they changed all the way to being righteous, as he would say? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but... Um, I know there's been strides in the correct direction and Carl's at the heart of all of it. I mean, that story about him playing as the first black guest was so powerful to me. Um, just that, that anyone from any walk of life can make change in this world. That, that was my, my uh, reflection. And, um, you know, you, you don't know the good you're doing. And, and a lot of folks, I think in today's day and age, we all kind of look at like, well, we got to be loud and we got to be brash and we got to kind of force our way into situations. I mean, this is a man who made that sacrifice, who stayed humble to, to wait it out and he never changed and he kept honest and he said what he meant, you know? And, and I think that reflected here. He wasn't calling names. He, 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 when he disagreed with people, I think he made it clear and he earned the respect of a lot of folks who probably w- wouldn't give him the time of day you know, the Gary Player story is a pretty fantastic um, um, view into that world, right? And and he kind of pushed through those challenges and persevered. I, I found it extremely inspiring. And it was just, it's cool. I think there's shows where we live up to the untold stories in golf. And, and this was certainly one of them. Um, I hope folks enjoyed listening. I know I did. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. Enjoy the Masters. We're going into it this week. Who you got? Who's winning this this thing? I'm holding on to Rory until he either passes away, I pass away, or he wins. I'm just, <laughs> I want him to get the Masters. I just, I, and I'm going to just keep on picking him. He could be completely out of form. I'm, I'm going with him because I just enjoy watching him hit a golf ball and want him to win the Masters. Um, I'm going with Scotty Scheffler because I know he's got Carl Jackson's reads on his Ooh. on his bag. So uh, I'm going with Scotty Scheffler and, and maybe Tony Finau can get it together too. I think I'd like to see him make a run. That'd be fun. Um, sh- thanks to our, our sponsor and partner of the podcast, Golf Blueprint. We're going down to Sweetens Cove for the spring meeting. Golf Blueprint will be there. Uh, great company. Check them out, golfblueprint.com. Kevin, Professor, have a great week, man. Enjoy the Masters, everybody. 